RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thursday morning at RCR time to welcome Faz and Arani back to help us join the Money Dots. It's what we do every Thursday morning. Faz and welcome back. Good to have you. Good morning, Paul. Great to be back, mate. I've got a feeling a few chickens are starting to come home to roost when I say that. Things that we've mentioned, well, what will now um, be shown to be way ahead of time are starting to sort of happen now. Uh, do you think I'm okay in saying that? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Um, the good thing is uh, people are listening to Asia and people who log in every Thursday morning uh, make a couple and listen to us. They're probably at least four to six weeks ahead on listening to Asia. Uh, and then the headlines actually hit uh, New Zealand and global news letters, right? So, yeah, yeah we're way ahead of time, mate. And obviously, as I said, I, I've been a few years ahead of my time, um, and that's why people reach out. But it's we, we, as we discussed today, people will realize what we've said uh, quite a few weeks, months back, is now being reported in the headlines. Okay, so t- tomorrow, tomorrow's news today is probably. Uh, I think that's already gone, but we can we could probably say that. All right, I want to get into some New Zealand stories in just a moment because that gives us kind of a direction on where things are locally. But I think it'll be good to start with this one, and it's been reported in the last day or so that J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, who's a very wealthy man, is warning, and I'm talking from the this particular story from the CNBC website, so Total Mainstream, is warning this is the most dangerous time for the world in decades, not just in the last few years, in decades. Um, He has delivered strong profits for the third quarter, along with the stern warning Friday, so uh, late last week. This may be the most dangerous time the world has seen in decades, the head of the largest U.S. bank by assets cited the ongoing war in Ukraine, as well as the attacks Hamas launched on Israel last weekend. And he said they or that may have far-reaching impacts on energy and food markets, global trade and geopolitical relationships. Some people have kind of read into what he's saying as more than um, a recession, but possibly even some kind of depression. So what do we make of what... Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, is saying. Firstly, I'd like to say I totally, completely agree with him. Um, they call um, Jamie Dimon the most powerful banker in the world. Uh, that's obviously for a reason, being the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, the biggest U.S. bank by assets under management. And he's completely right. I think about four months back, he said uh, this is going to be a uh, massive hurricane. He had obviously uh, given people a heads up even back then when interest rates were going up. Obviously, now throw into the works. We've got uh, two wars on two different fronts, uh, maybe escalating into something bigger. He's absolutely right, man. And as I mentioned, uh, forget decades. I probably think it's going to be the biggest thing in the last 70 or 80 years. Uh, well, well, he also cited, I should have mentioned it, the burgeoning national debt, talking about the US, but we're all, we're all in debt, aren't we? The largest peacetime fiscal deficits ever. That's the funny thing, that word, peacetime, right? So even though it's peacetime, it's the biggest deficit. So governments uh, have kind of used wartime as a reason for deficit spending because you've got to build tractors and then buy ammunition and all of that before the fact. So there's deficit spending during wartimes. But this is the biggest deficit spend in American history 
33 trillion, which is about 120 to 130 percent of debt to GDP in peace times. Yeah. So as I told people before, can you understand the reasoning by going to war? It's like, no, 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 it wasn't our fault. Everything was going well. Yeah. Oh, it's that war. It's because of that war. It's because of Ukraine. It's because of Russia. It's because well, of Biden Hamas. said last week, he said that uh, in sort of promoting Ukraine and now Israeli military funding and support, he described it as basically a job scheme. Like, uh, this means jobs. Well, that's how they see it, right? It's a wartime economy is where they'll borrow more money and they'll spend. Killing people as jobs. yeah, Killing people. Yeah, exactly. That's great, isn't it? it, It's an excuse. As I said, if you understand cycles, if you understand history, nothing is going to come as a big surprise to you. Everything that is about to happen in the next two, three, four years is just common sense, connecting the dots. And you can see, read the tea leaves, so to speak. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it has to be a global war for them to blame for the... Well, no, to generate, to make happen. <laughs> uh, well, know, what I, is it? I, uh, it comes along and whoops, it's a war. We didn't see that coming. Or do you create wars on multiple fronts to reset? Because that's the other thing war is good for, resetting economies that are on their knees. Yep. Reset the system, blame it on a war, blame it on an enemy. It wasn't our fault. Everything was working fine. Look, look, we were increasing interest rates. Uh, yeah, everything's an excuse, man. If they say, look at my left hand, make sure you're looking at the right hand because they're hiding something in it. That's what I'd say. He also mentioned, another thing I should have maybe mentioned at the start because you've talked about it a lot, the Federal Reserve's efforts to reduce its bond holdings. Quantitative tightening, he called it. Yeah, it's, uh, um, as as we said, most countries, uh, we've explained it quite a few times now that how does a government get money, right, to spend into the economy? They just create these magical bonds called IOUs in the future, IOU this much plus interest. Please give me the money now. And because the money doesn't exist, the Reserve Bank just creates digital codes on the computer and creates billions and trillions, hands it off to the government to spend into the economy. And that's what I'm saying. Without reserve banks and stuff, there would be no wars because if you had to go to war, where would you get the money from? So that's why it's called bank. all wars are bankers' wars because not only do they fund both sides, but the reserve banks around the world said we don't have money and that's why they cut the link to the gold in 1970. It's just mouse-click money as we call it. They created out of thin air credit the bank account of the government, and the government then goes, spends on ammunition and guns and all of that, or hands it over to Ukraine to support their war effort or whatever it is. So the whole point is it's all a big circle and we ain't in it. We just have to pay taxes <laughs> yeah. to pay back what the government borrowed from the reserve banks around the world who didn't have the money in the first place. It's a debt slavery system. Mate. All money is debt. But in this country, it goes down now to local bodies. They're in extreme debt. Everyone's in extreme debt, and we're going to figure out over the next three years as interest rates go up. And obviously, towards the end of uh, today, we're obviously going to talk about some of the New Zealand conversation as well. As I said, the cycle has turned. I can't say it anymore. Interest rates are going to keep going up, and the people who are in too much debt are going to get wiped out completely. Um, so just think about these kind of things, right? It's just we, we, We'll talk about it. There's too much debt in the system. It has to be sponged off. And the government will try and sponge yours off so they can default on their debt. I can't 
make it any clearer than that. The governments need to default so they can wipe their slate clean and they will say, look, we're doing it for you, <laughs> but you will own nothing and be happy. Yeah, make sure you're happy. Well, let's go to lo- the local situation right now because it seems to me to be conflicting stories out there. Hard to know kind of um, where things are falling right now. So on one hand, and I'm reading from interest.co.nz, latest Reserve Bank Financial Stability Report says if economic conditions deteriorate by more than projected, the lending stress could be more severe. Then you've got, on the other hand, a story in the Herald, and that is that um, the house slump basically is over. And, um, in fact, here's the headline, New Zealand and Auckland house prices. Analyst Core Logic says downturn is officially over, with prices having fallen a total of $138,000. That's the mean price, I guess while Auckland uh, hardest hit falling 261,000 but they they say um the first price rise since March 22 uh was recorded jumping 0.4% last month these figures confirm the end of the recent housing market downturn says economist Kelvin Davidson so okay so who do we believe the reserve bank who are ringing the alarm bells or are we believing you know core logic who says hey don't worry party's back on it's uh the, you know that that bit's over all good now yeah uh conflicting stories and obviously you've got to understand who's talking about uh which part of it so core logic does valuations on properties yep it's industry uh interests mate obviously they're going to say of course they're going to say yeah the worst is behind us uh, there's a few economists who always, especially the economists for the banks, will keep saying, yeah, yeah it's behind us, and now's a good time. Look, it's spring. Because they're there to promote well, the bank's interests. Of right? course. The happy course talkers for are. the banks. Yeah, Of course they are. They've got to protect their balance sheet, right? And and we'll go into one article, uh, which was yesterday on interest.co.nz, which will prove the bank itself is saying that there's a problem there. But what you got to understand, the snake oil salesman is going to say snake oil is the best oil ever. So you've got to understand, just use a little bit of common sense, the gray matter, which we said, which was neck above, mate, and just try and think through this process. Is they're saying the worst is behind us. Okay, so let's think through this process. Over the last two and a half years, interest rates have been going up, and that is why people can't afford property or mortgage repayments to their banks, and that has caused house prices to go up. Now what they're saying is, oh, the worst is behind us. Now house prices, sorry, house prices were going down. Now they're saying the house prices will start going up. What has changed? Well, what is well, trying- yeah, yeah, exactly. What has changed? Yeah, let me tell uh, you what has changed. What has changed okay. is in May, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand stopped increasing the official cash rate. So they must be saying, look, the inflation pressures are easing. The Reserve Bank hasn't really increased interest rates. So now the party's back on. Let's go get drunk again on more debt. I can tell you right now, this is a pause on inflation. It ain't you haven't seen nothing yet. Inflation's going much higher, and the Reserve Bank's going to have another excuse to keep increasing interest rates. So if you think interest rates are going to go down, you're sadly mistaken. So because there's been a pause for three months on interest rate increases by the Reserve Bank only, right? So this is where I say there's gullible people who will believe the headlines, and most of our listeners know not to listen to mainstream media because they're not going to tell you the truth. Hmm. And the simple fact out here, mate, is... Inflation is just on pause. And that too, let me be honest, this is the reported inflation. It's a lie. 
People know that inflation is not at three, four, five percent. So, what is it really at? Do you think? In New Zealand, it's at least yeah. nine, ten, twelve percent. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let yeah. me give you an example. On uh, just a couple of days back, the Turkish Central Bank has increased the official cash rate from thirty percent to thirty-five percent. Now, our central bank is at five point two five, I think it is, but Turkey increased it from thirty to thirty-five percent. But their consumer price inflation is at 80%. So you're still losing money. If you had a million dollars in Turkey, you're not going to put in a bank to earn 35% when your food's getting more expensive yeah. than 80% month on month. So this is a negative yield that I'm talking about. People, these are industry interests that are trying to get you in because they can see that there's a falling knife and they want someone to come in and catch it. Okay. Yeah. Please, please, our listeners, I'm telling you, do not catch it. Okay. There's not personal financial Keep advice. Your hands away. Get yeah, your yeah. hands away. Just sit back, have a beer, and enjoy the show, mate. Especially yeah. if you've got no debt, just enjoy the show. The country's then- big, big, just a bit more from the story. The country's big five banks are projecting that non performing loans as a share of their lending could more than double from current levels over the next year. Now, okay, that's uh, across a whole lot of kind of loan categories, but most of that will be mortgages, wouldn't it? Yeah, yes, and we we mentioned that, I think, about three weeks back before I went on a bit of a break about the lag effect. So I want listeners to start, start thinking. At one end, you have Core Logic and a bank's economist telling you house prices are now going to start going up. On the other have, hand, you have the Reserve Bank of New Zealand printing out a financial stability report literally as of last week telling you more pain is coming. And this article on interest.co.nz from yesterday clearly telling you that the banks themselves are saying that the SHIT is about to hit the fence. So let me read a couple of uh, lines uh, from this uh, article because we talked about non-performing home loans also, I think four weeks back. And uh, so they're saying... uh, which one am I looking at? Which which line should I read to have the most impact is what I'm just trying to think. Higher interest rates are placing an increased strain on indebted household budgets. No SHIT. The average share of their disposable yeah. income going to interest payments is expected to rise from a low of 9% in 2021 to around 18% by the middle of 2024. So let me read that again, because we talked about this in the UK example as well. How much of your income is going towards debt servicing? And last week we spoke about in Canada, there's negative amortizing mortgages because they can't even pay the interest. So just let me slow down on this one sentence. The average share of their disposable income, okay? So disposable income is after tax. Now you've got disposable income, as I said again last week, gross and net. So off your disposable income, going to interest payments, not even principal. The average share of the disposable income going to interest payments is expected to rise from a low of 9% in 2021 to 18% by the middle of 2024. So this is the New Zealand banks clearly telling you already that just the interest portion that you're going to pay from your disposable income is going to double. Double, yeah, exactly, double. Double, and it's only interest. Forget principle. It's it's not even rocket science. And another sentence out here, Matt, households that borrowed at high debt-to-income ratios 
Over this period, I'd risk with estimated debt servicing ratios for borrowers from this two years into bracket, let's imagine first home buyers in the last two years, expected to rise to around 50% by late 2023. Right? So they're telling you this, it's going to double. Your debt servicing ratio is going to double. And none of this is rocket science, man. I'm just repeating the same thing over and over again. It's just, it's, it's a simple fact. Get out of the way, reduce your debt. The people have two, three, four houses and you don't know what to do with it. Get in touch if you'd like. I, I, I don't know what else to say is please get yourself out of the brain that is coming your way. Yeah, don't get smashed to pieces by yeah, it. Please don't. Okay, and, and the other thing, you know, you're talking about um, uh, exposure to debt servicing. What people don't realize as well, with the large local body debts now, and uh, obviously um, debt servicing costs are now a reasonable part of what you pay in rates. Some areas are paying $1,000 a year as a component of their rates just to meet the debt servicing cost of the local body that's borrowed their ratepayers into oblivion. Well, that is it, mate. There's so, so many So there's another ways. thousand you're spending on debt servicing <clears throat> in a year that you don't, and, and it'll be more, it'll vary around the country. But, you know, that's a chunk of money. So add that to your doubling. Of course it is. And that's why they can't increase uh, your taxes, right? As I said, when you said, it, okay, they, no, they can't, because first of all, the government, the government is the first one that puts their hand in your pocket, okay? You don't even see it. Then you have something left over. Is it 65% or 75% of your gross income? Then the first thing you want to do is obviously pay your mortgage, okay? Because you want to roof over your head. Yeah. That's the first thing you're going to do and make sure you pay your rates. So as you just mentioned, your mortgage interest has doubled. Forget the principal. Your interest has doubled. Then your rates have gone up. Uh, plus, and, if, and if you can't afford your rates, mate, they well, if you don't pay them, they take them direct out of your bank. And if you still can't pay them, they will foreclose on on. They will come for your assets. Yeah. Either way, as I said, there's an asset strip coming down the road, right? But so, you can't say, "Hey, you shouldn't have borrowed all that money, you dumb beeps." You know. No. So if you haven't borrowed it and you have no debt, there comes a, a rates problem. Then comes obviously. Let's say you can afford to pay both of those. Okay. Yep. Then your petrol prices have gone up, so you still have to drive to work. Uh, all food in this country gets delivered through trucks and stuff like that. So you've got that adding to inflationary pressures for your food. Your electricity bills have gone up. And I, let's add to that uh, something I heard in Florida as well. There's a couple of insurance companies that have left Florida because of the hurricanes out there. In New Zealand, what did we have last year? We had those floods and the storms and all that kind of stuff, right? Insurance yeah. premiums have gone up. So you have to insure your house. You have to insure your car. Mate, they're killing people. And this is all by design, okay? This was all done by design. I'll leave it at that because this is all a design to take us down a path where we are frustrated with this all and you will lose everything. Well, not everyone will lose everything, but they want most of the people to lose everything. So you go, government, please help me. What are you going to do to help me? Yeah. And they'll yeah. say, Digital currency. Ding. Digital currency. Just download the app. You put it in your bank account and everyone will be happy. And it's so convenient. Um, one of the things that um, Jamie Dimon mentioned and you just reminded me, was impacts on energy and food markets. Now, aren't we at the absolute bottom of the energy supply chain in terms of fossil fuel like diesel, jet fuel, car, petrol? Because we don't have a refinery anymore. We 
destroyed that for some reason, let that one go. So um, in this environment where you've got uh, war potentially in the Middle East, constraining the major sort of, um, I guess, supply chain feeder areas for energy in the world, we could end up with a serious, you know, those trucks that you need to put diesel in to get them to the supermarket and the stores and the people. Well, can we be certain that they can run at the same scale as they run now into the future at the moment? Uh, and that is it, right? You've got to think through these things. Not only are we at the bottom of the world, we're so far from everything. So, yes, we'll be affected. Let's add on a second and a third layer to that. What is the New Zealand dollar doing? The New Zealand dollar is now at 0.58 something, right? Yep. So, New Zealand dollar is going to drop more, which means your petrol will automatically go up. Petrol, diesel, all of that will automatically go up. Plus, right now, again, it's uh, the oil prices haven't gone up crazy. They're still sitting around the 80-odd mark. Um, when this war now escalates, you could see about 150 a barrel, they're saying, uh, as geopolitics plays out. So now yep. can you imagine $10 a litre, okay? Uh, $7, $8, $9, $10 a litre. Well, there's no Sunday drive anymore. So that well, probably, uh, most people are already, it. most people are already, I've heard, uh, are, are trying to not go out as often. So what they're doing yep. is if they have two, three or four errands to run, they're trying to do it all in the one go and just take the car out once. Uh, which is what families will do. But it's going to put pressure. As I said, you're not going to have as many holidays. You're not going to do stupid things. You're just going to conserve your capital or whatever you have left over after paying these massive mortgage and insurance and rates payments uh, to survive. And food shortages are definitely going to happen because, as I said, there's there's shipping lines and all of that under constraint. Again, a ship uses diesel. Um, so if diesel and petrol prices are, by the time those those food containers come to our shows, it's already gone up. Plus, New it's Zealand all, it's, it's all bought in American dollars, isn't it? So we have to trade New Zealand dollars for American dollars to pay for it. And if pay our currency everything. keeps going down in value relative, it just it's a car crash or train crash. It just keeps on happening, doesn't it? Well, it is. It is. And let me give you an example. That's happening with the Japanese currency at the moment, right? Because they're trying to do yield curve control. I won't go into the details of what a yield curve control is, but the central bank out there, because Japan is the highest debt to GDP, and yep. the Reserve Bank of Japan is the only one who buys their government debt, literally, because nobody else wants to buy a negative yielding debt. Um, their currency is now sitting at about the US dollar to the Japanese yen is about 151, Okay. And if you just think about back in 2020 to 2021, it was at 100, 103. So you have lost 33% of the value of your currency in a space of year and a half because everything around the world is bought in the U.S. dollars or traded in U.S. dollars or measured in U.S. dollars. And the Japanese have literally gone from one U.S. dollar was 100, and, 100 to 103 Japanese yen to now one U.S. dollar is about 151 Japanese yen as of this morning. Even if nothing changes, you've added one-third cost to your uh, groceries and your petrol and all yeah. of that stuff. So, yeah, there's, uh, this is all on design. This is all on design. We're going to uh, really high inflation. And the one thing you didn't mention, I don't know if you've come across this, but Jamie Dimon, 
and his family supposedly so i think about 100 120 million dollars worth of his own bank shares and he says no no don't nothing to look here uh, we only sold the shares because we needed some money we're not selling our own bank shares because oh, so we getting a bit tight was it getting a bit tight for the for the diamond family <laughs> yeah it? the richest richest uh, bank out there getting an extra 100 mil yeah 100 odd million dollars in shares but he's like oh we just need some money for something else it's not because we think our bank share prices will go down the so new gold stream think about it Think yeah, about the new why. Gulfstream Seven or whatever they're up to now, um, corporate jet. Okay. Um, also um, on the uh, local news front, KiwiSaver funds lose more than two billion in third quarter. What in one quarter? Yeah, this is all coming. As I say, the chickens are coming home to roost, mate. So uh, obviously, the superannuation funds. As I said, unfortunately, we can't do anything because if your money's locked in KiwiSaver, unless you're using it to buy a first home. Or if which you, you can't afford anyway, which you, which you shouldn't actually try and get into right now, anyways. But the younger generation must have jumped into that little sinking ship, yep. um, and that to using up their savings was the key. Save it's not funny, but it is what it is. Now we can't. In looking in hindsight, it all kind of makes sense, right? Um, but again, uh, they've lost it because, as I've as I mentioned, just think interest rates are going up, which means your share prices are dropping. Firstly, the share prices are dropping. There's so many. Uh, again, on the radio, we can explain only a couple of things so people can understand. But the, the the share prices are dropping because of geopolitics. The share prices are dropping because of margins. The share prices are dropping because the economies are slowing down. The share prices are also dropping because these these organizations have the cost of their debt going up. So these organizations have also borrowed money, and if they were borrowing at three percent, and their interest rates have gone to six seven percent. They're finding it hard uh, to service their debt, which means their profits are going down, which means their share price comes down. Um, and 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 the, as I said, when the economy slows down, everyone suffers. And the more it happens, it has uh, a more of a roll-on effect. There, there was an article yesterday, also in Interest.co.nz, where the un- unemployment rate in New Zealand has obviously already gone down. So it's gone, um, gone up. Sorry, gone up. Sorry. Um, so the unemployment rose in New Zealand. To three point nine percent from three point six percent in the September quarter. So now start looking at what is happening, and this is only the last quarter, right? Unemployment rates are going up. Businesses are laying off people. Businesses are suffering because people have less money to spend. Everything is interconnected because everything is money, and interest rates are the price of money. Credit yep. is money. If you understand that one simple thing, the price of money has gone up. Everyone's going to suffer. So if you don't have any debt, you're sleeping better than most of the other people out there. Yep. Well, that Morningstar report, which I got that uh, headline from, uh, for the Kiwi Saver funds losing more than two billion in third quarter, they say, um, or or they mention both upside and downside risks to the NZ economy, and they list as a potential benefit migration. So there's no mention of earning more money, making more products, being smarter, um, you know, growing the pie. It's like, oh, migration. It's it's a pretty narrow focus, isn't it? Well, that's what they're hoping for. And as I've as I've mentioned before, mate, everything's connected. So the whole point is, when we say house prices, they're trying to even stabilize house prices by opening up borders and getting migration. So they used. Um, as I say, these either as you've mentioned before, either these politicians are really stupid or they're doing stuff on purpose. So during COVID, they locked up our borders and they said, "Oh, 
look, we, we just don't have enough skilled workers. So now, a couple of years later, they're saying we're opening up our borders because our businesses don't have enough skilled or unskilled people. Now, what are they doing? They're getting cheap labor in. So when you get cheap labor in, first of all, then they can say, look, inflation's coming down because a Filipino driver might accept a certain amount, whereas a New Zealand driver might not. Um, so that brings the inflation numbers down. But that's putting pressure on housing as well, because as I said, it's demand and supply. We only have so many houses in New Zealand. Um, the construction numbers, I think the report was out a couple of uh, days back, where construction, new dwelling consents, I have actually have it here in front of me, new dwelling consents in New Zealand dropped 37% year on year. 37. Right? So 37% wow. dropped. Year on year, New Zealand consents drop. So we're building fewer houses. We're opening the floodgates of our borders to 40, 45,000 new migrants. And they're hoping that is going to stem the flow of the house prices dropping. Yeah, but so our much. unemployment rate's going up. So what does that do to Again, that? Again, exactly. So they're just doing brain-dead, stupid policy. They want to. They said we're going to build more houses, but they're letting in more people who are not only putting more pressure on our housing stock, and our rents are going up because people are being bid. These families need, most of these are migrant families. So they need a house to live. So they're bidding Kiwis out of the rental market. Maybe if they're first home buyers out of the housing market, they're bidding maybe Kiwis out of jobs because the unemployment rate is going up. But the government says nothing to see. Huh? Look, immigration is up. It's just, I, I don't know why we elect these people or why, why, why can't we see through the facade, mate? Well, here's something that comes to mind, could be wrong, and I don't uh, begrudge anyone who looks for an opportunity. But uh, I know where I live, um, I'm seeing a lot more bus drivers who are Filipino because they've had a whole bunch come in because there's not enough Kiwis, it seems, even though the, um, the unemployment rate's going up, to drive buses. Now, it's a great opportunity for them, but they send a lot of that money back home. It's not retained in our economy. So migration is a double-edged sword. Right. Migration, again, it should be skilled labor, but it's not. And, yeah, it's just, it's just stupid policy going around in circles. They send money home. Of course, they, they spend fair that enough, money. Fair enough, I would too. Yeah, yeah, why not? They, they they come here. Some of them, as I said, have taken loans in their home countries because of the currency differential to actually be in this country. So they take loans up front to get yeah. here because they know if they earn New Zealand dollars, they'll be able to spend New Zealand dollars. But if they save a little bit, they can send it back home to Philippines or Thailand or whatever, or India. Uh, one New Zealand dollar, I know the Indian currency. I don't know what the Thai baht and uh, the Filipino uh, peso is at. But uh, the Indian rupee is about 50 or 51. It ranges between 48 to 51. So if I save a thousand New Zealand dollars, that's 50 grand in my country that I could send uh, to either pay off the loan that I got in India yeah. to migrate here or to help my family out there. Uh, so they see, is, uh, see it as a step up. But what this is also doing, Matt, as I said, it is just some of these. And again, on the radio, I don't share everything. But uh, the simple thing is, it's not just the unemployment rate, it's the underutilization rate as well. But they will tell us that the unemployment numbers are good. And that's why, look, there's inflationary pressures. And that's why we are increasing interest rates. I can tell you, the global economies are already in recessions, walking into depression, a global depression. Yeah. But yeah. they are using this as an excuse 
and and there's there's this saying called lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? Yeah, they're using statistics to 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 flip a story to say, look, inflation's high, unemployment's low, and that's why we're increasing interest rates because I've told you they have to bankrupt you. The inflation is 10, 12%, if not what they tell us, 4, 5%. Unemployment is much higher than what they're telling us. I'll, I'll just read this one line from this article as well. The underutilization rates, which includes people who have a job but would like to work more hours, rose from 99 to 10.4%. What underutilization means is, let's say, I lost a job because my employer now can't service his debt or whatever. Let's say the economy is slowing down. I lost my job and I used to work 40 hours a week and earn, let's say, $2,000 a week. Yep. Now, when I went looking into the economy, I can only find a part-time job for 20 or 25 hours and I'm only getting $1,000 a week. First of all, I'm thankful that I have that because at least I have a job. But the problem is I used to earn 2000 My mortgage yep. was based and all my expenses were based on 2000 a week rather than 1000 a week. Okay. And that's the underutilization. So I'm still looking for work because I can't make ends meet on just $1,000 a so, week. So is everyone else. So is everyone else. And then again, it comes back to the immigration thing. So why are we opening borders to low-skilled workers when there's such a massive underutilization of our own population? And this is where then there will be dividing lines where people will say, oh, why are you giving an Indian a job or a Filipino a job when Kiwis are suffering? And this is where politicians divide societies. But the poor Indian or the Filipino came here because he got the immigration and he was told he's really skilled and then as a country, we need him. Yeah, and They're clearly we both do, sides. We don't have, but not, not enough people are driving the bus, whether that's because they're so unhealthy they can't pass the uh, the medical. But speaking of health, though, what we haven't factored in to the job market yet is a statistic that we became aware of a few months ago, and that was after this uh, mRNA debacle catastrophe, there's an elevated by nearly 38% disability in the workforce, 38% more disability in the workforce. Yeah, we knew that was coming, mate. Uh, so that's got to be part of it too. You, you you can't have a figure like that and it and it, to pass without any notice or have no effect. Yeah, exactly, and and that's what we said. Uh, connect the dots. Oh, yeah. uh, the normal Kiwis who took the uh, let's just say whatever we want to call the it, jibby jabby, yeah, the jibby jabby thing, and there's, uh, yeah, they're suffering. We know through the health insurance and life insurance numbers. I won't name anyone, but I was speaking to somebody who sells life insurance in New Zealand, and yes, he did confirm to me that the number of claims had gone up in New Zealand as well. Yeah, I know someone in their business too, and they t- they've told me not just a little bit, gone up a. A huge amount. Yeah, I just want to. He's still selling it, mate. So the whole point is, I just have to keep it nice and. Oh simple. no, no, I know, I know they're still selling it, but uh, they know how the market. The market is always first to know exactly what's going. Exactly, on. exactly. So it's not just that. In fact, his wife was telling me they know of a twenty-four-year-old who was in the gym and, uh, yeah, had a heart attack and all that stuff. In fact, there was a story in America where there's this 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 kid who kind of finished. Uh, he was running a marathon or a race or something. He finished at the line with his best time ever and literally collapsed with a heart attack and died. And these are young kids, right? So again, just moving away from that though, but what is it causing with the employment side of things? Let's say they took the jibby jab and these people can't work or they're disabled now. So now there's so many of these effects, as I've said, there's so many layers to the monetary side of things 
these people are either sitting at home sitting on the dole or sitting on a disability uh, allowance so first of all the government's bleeding more money for forcing a jibby jabby on a population who yeah, it didn't need know. to happen this is the crazy thing it didn't bloody need to happen yes but let's say for example if they don't now open the borders and there will be more massive shortages so they're getting cheap labor coming in they're quickly approving these visas and the unfortunate thing is this disabled person is not going to work right but they still need a house to live in yeah that still costs money and it still costs money so so the government's paying the disability pension or whatever that allowance is but what i'm saying is there were still 100000 houses so if they i'm just giving a stupid example but now they've opened uh, 45000 visas the disabled person is not going to work so yes the guy from philippines or india has got the job but the disabled person still needs a house to live in there are no more houses there's still jobs that they can go to that the disabled person can't do but what about the house yeah and who pays because again effectively the um any benefit or disability money is being eroded by inflation and currency and all of that yeah i i can tell you man it's not we're not going into good times uh oh as i as i keep saying we want to keep it light and uh, we just <laughs> want to inform people we don't want to scare people but the whole no. thing is this well, is, it is what it is. is it is what it is it is what it is and it's a natural transition they well okay there was a pandemic who pandemic so let's just shut down the whole world and print too much money so we asked everyone to sit at home print money which got house prices up well, and we knew that the, that would cause huge problems so you know we knew that it wasn't as if people go oh i didn't see that coming at the time people were saying this is crazy do not do it but as i told you i knew about 5 or 6 years back the system was coming to an end they needed a big couple of events to get the ducks lined up so they can take us to this great reset that they're talking about and how they were going to play this so they gave you one last hit of cheap money taking it close to 0% and everyone joined the party yeah boy, boy didn't they Feeding and boy. now yeah. you just go oh sorry guys it's just because because there's inflation it's not our fault it's because it's inflation but the inflation was caused because first of all inflation as i said in our first or second or third week we said inflation is caused it's common sense by just printing too much money is demand and supply there's two little goods and they just create monetary units out of thin air but the simple thing is when they drop the cost of money down to 0% everyone tried to get in and now inflation's going up because they shut down the world mate so there was a shortage of goods if i just told you sit at home you didn't go out and make that widget or you didn't were not productive in the economy remember they said only uh, what was that term they used when only the truck drivers were allowed and only the doctors and nurses essential were workers essential workers so of which i was is, one Yes, yeah, so everybody else is non-essential. So suddenly, yeah. Yep. But if you say only 10% of the economy is essential and you shut down 90% of the economy globally, suddenly there's only 10 or 20% of goods being created around the economy, global economies, because if we're importing something or exporting something, of course there's going to be inflation because we're creating fewer products and we've created so much more money. Yeah. So they knew exactly what they were doing. and why they were doing it as i said over the next 3 4 5 years we're going to have a massive asset strip and i'm just saying 3 4 5 years i know the timing of how this works out so on the radio i just have to keep it open yep but please just that, like we've literally laid out the story out here today and over the last i don't know how many ever weeks we've been chatting what is coming 
get out of the bloody way uh, and plan as best you can because yeah nothing's yeah. changing and and the whole thing is now you can see the wars and all of that as well which justifies blaming it on someone or the bad country or the bad a leader of that country or whatever it is but there's a story here and they've got to tell you the story so you gobble it up again and think the government's only doing what's in your best interest <laughs> well um i think we're pretty well up against time here for this week so i think we'll <laughs> leave it at that but you're back in a couple of weeks again farzan so by that time we will know what the government's going to be because those special votes would have been counted also there's some other big stories that um, uh, I'm sure are connected to all of this, and that is issues with the afterpay uh, business, particularly across the Tasman, but that applies here too. So what does that mean? And uh, there'll be other data in. So so maybe we'll leave that for our next chat in a fortnight. Yeah, let's do that, mate. Hopefully people um, like what we said today and can now start connecting the dots better for themselves. Well, even if it makes people um, motivated to go and look at more information, right? That's it. Just be informed because yeah. what you don't know uh, can kill you. So you're better off yeah. uh, understanding how this works. And exactly, that's it. Even with the Jibby Jabby, right? People who did their own research uh, were in a better position to make more informed decisions. So, Turned out that way, didn't it, hey? Mm. Well, exactly right, man. And our listeners will now see that these articles are coming four, five, six weeks after the fact that we discussed something. So are they listening to Asia or are they just going, we better start telling people because... If we don't, uh, then we could be well, in trouble. Because well, if you're reading thing- the Herald, mate, you think the housing sweet, the housing market's um, bottomed out. There's all these bargains out there now because in Auckland, uh, so you know the mean price has fallen two hundred thirty thousand. Sweet, it's all good again. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, let's go out and party, right? We've we've had a nap. Well, no, go no one's and- going to give you the money. You've got to prove now that you can you can pay at nine percent interest to get a mortgage now. Well, not just that, Matt. As I said, it's your disposable income. So this Reserve Bank's talking about this DTI ratio, okay, which is your debt-to-income ratio, which has come down because the house prices have gone down a little bit. But the whole bloody thing is it's a 9% interest rate. And how how do I put this? They they want to protect their own balance sheets so they don't um lose yeah. too much so the new zealand herald is going to lend tell and you that. pretend that's what you call it isn't it lend extend, and extend 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 oh, and pretend, pretend. extend and pretend but the whole point is the this is the five biggest banks in new zealand themselves go look at this article on interest.co.nz from yesterday they themselves are telling you that are uh, the 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 thing we spoke about the lag effect they themselves are saying our non-performing loans could double in the next year we yeah. told you this like three or four weeks back. Yeah. So I told you this on the radio four weeks back and magically even interest.co.nz has only just come out saying the country's five big banks said that this will double in the next year. Non-performing loans will double. But also Westpac is in the news, 31st of October. It's an RNZ story being reported um, in the Herald that house prices are set to rise 8% in 2024. That's what Westpac's saying. So... Where the yeah, hell it's a they circus. Get from? It's a circus, man. It's a comedy club. Um, the the other thing I was looking at yesterday, just a quick one. Um, obviously, uh, looking at TO uh, one ratios and all of that, because some people ask me what bank should I hold funds with and all of that, and I don't recommend, or I don't give people financial advice. No. Um, but maybe if you want to go look at uh, which bank has what TO one ratio, 
Um, and I can tell you that uh, most of the New Zealand banks are sitting at around 13, 14, 15 percent. Um, the Chinese banks in New Zealand are sitting at 18, 19 percent. So they've got a stronger tier one ratios. Uh, uh, New Zealand also has two supposedly Indian banks. I can't remember the exact okay. names, but I think it's Bank of Baroda and something else. And their tier one ratios are sitting about 50 odd percent. Uh, I'm not saying everyone should move their money into those Indian banks because I don't know what their balance sheet looks like. But the whole point is, look at these things, right? As I've told people, jump on the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's website, put in your email address. So every time they announce something, um, you will get a report or something like that. Having said that, I received something from them yesterday, again, where the Reserve Bank governor is now going to talk about why the Reserve Bank, maybe we could talk about this in two and a half weeks' time, yep. needs to start focusing on climate change because it's not a problem for the future, but it is fast approaching us. So if you think the New Zealand, Australian, Canadian, and the European central banks are saying they should focus on uh, climate change because it's such a catastrophe, um, whereas the Federal Reserve is sticking in the on US. On that basis, if I was um, in charge, I'd fire that person. But we should be firing these people. Mate, I'd say you're job, gone. Sorry, you're gone. His yeah. his job is to manage monetary policy, which is interest rates, which we can see he's not doing a very good job at. Uh, again, without going into any details, uh, but then again, they're saying we're going to have to make more people unemployed so we can get this un inflation number down. They are using the wrong tactics and they're telling us because unemployment was so low, inflation is high and they are lying. And now they already say, I, I'm literally coming out and saying they're using statistics to lie. And I'm telling people on the radio, the statistics, what it really means. Okay. And yeah. unemployment name is, numbers already started going up. So why does a reserve bank need to focus on climate change? Now, people connect the bloody dots. Okay. Because they're not bankers. That's why they're not this steeped not in their, their history. Job. They are technocratic. Uh, paper shuffling bureaucrats is what they are. Exactly. And they have an agenda on hand. Make sure you They've get all been your resources. They've all been through universities. <laughs> they are. They're just anyway. academics who think the world should work a certain way. And yeah. this is why, as I said, Matt, last year, yes, there's a hard road ahead of us. But the beauty of it is these bureaucrats and their bull crap, whatever you want to call it, will come to the surface in the next seven or eight years. It will all float to the surface. And that's when people will reject um, the Great Reset and what the WEF wants to do, and there's too many of us, and uh, yeah. there will be revolutions in different parts of the world, and come 2032, we get to rebuild society as we want it. Oh. Not everyone's going to survive, but uh, we come out the other end, and hopefully humanity survives. On that positive note, Farzan, and it is a positive, <laughs> really, because uh, after, after all, we you know, we want a better, we want a good reset if there's to be a reset. All right, um, we'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks from now. But uh, thanks for uh, helping us join the Money Dots again. Farzan Arani, uh, one of our favourite uh, programmes, Money Talks. So I look forward to another chat in a couple of weeks, all right? Yeah, thanks. I had a great time, mate. Yeah, I'll take a break. And people want to reach out, successsimplified.life. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.